from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back. We had a little technical difficulty there. Yeah, technical difficulty there for a second. We're back. Sorry, sorry, sorry. This computer is crapping out. We got to get back in the studio, boys. 2023, back in the studio. That is my wish. Since we are your guests and you are my hosts, what is your wish? To be back in what the is, studio, too. What is your pleasure? What do you like to do? Yeah, I'm, I want to have you guys back in that studio. We'll just get back in that nice environment. But it's not me or John you have to convince. I think you're right. I think some people have gotten used to just being doing this at home and not being on camera. <laughs> Uh-huh. Once we're once we're out of the triple demic, <laughs> see this is what happens when you when you spoil your children rotten. Um, we're gonna they stop appreciating those things that make things special. Here's the thing, too. They're gonna have there's gonna be a little surge after Christmas because everybody's gonna be getting together. Yep. So like two weeks after Christmas, everybody's gonna start getting COVID. Mm, people getting COVID now. Yeah, they are. So I'm saying like February. We're back in. What do you guys say? Feb. Feb. I say January 1st. You want to be in there New Year's Day? Where's the Where's the Wednesday? January 4th. Instead of, uh, instead of uh, people watching football, they're listening to us or tuning in. What are they doing yeah. over at the Superiority Studio? Complex? Mm-hmm. I lost my whole... Yeah. I remember... I forgot what we were talking about. We were talking about something and I forgot. Live stream New Year's podcast. Hello? Oh, my God. I'll be off... I, I should be off New Year's Eve for the first time in many years. Many, many. Did we, we did a live stream one time, right? No, that's Saturday. No, we did a late. We did a late uh, podcast. That's not, right. We did a late one, but not live cast. John, guess mm-hmm. what? Uh, just what we should do a live stream. Throw it up. Throw it out on Twitch and just see who listens. We can Interesting. We could do that. Yeah. Uh, listen, John. I've got about ten cans of Jingle Jangle, and I know that sounds dirty, but it's not. Wow, you you stocked up. Well, it's going to go to. There's some people that are getting it as a gift. Yeah. For example, right. the lady who cut my hair yesterday. Uh huh. She got a. She yeah. Got, she hey, got, that's a nice. That's a sweet cut you got there. She got she a. Does deserve, nice, she deserves right. a big box of jingle. Right. Jingle. You can if you can handle this uh, monstrosity on top of my head. This it's like William. She's like cutting William Shatner's toupee. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> but I was going to ask before we got uh, interrupted by the the technical gremlins. Uh. So we're watching Elf last night, and uh, you know, you know, he's a full-sized human. But I've mm-hmm. always heard that Santa was an elf, and then Nicole did a little research, and apparently, in the "Twas the Night Before Christmas" the poem, there's never a reference to being him, to him being the size of a human. It says a jolly old elf, so he was technically an elf. I think the way like Thomas Nast drew him. Or maybe it's the guys before Thomas Nast drew him kind of smaller, and by the time, I guess by the time you get to Thomas Nast, they're drawing him as a full size, large, rotund guy. So is he a, is he a human or is he an elf? I don't. It's think, an angel. I don't, I don't he's think he's saint. either. I think he's just. Yeah, the, the, the poem says a jolly old elf. Yeah, saint but Nicholas. I think that's that's just a euphemism for you know. I don't think it really means he's an elf. I think that's a euphemism for you know, sort of this. Uh, this one of a kind, jolly old guy. 
Hmm. Like like a pic, like calling somebody a pixie doesn't necessarily mean that they are physically a pixie. That's true. <laughs> you know? Manic pixie yeah. weirdo. Um, what I think at some point he was, you know, way, way back, probably like 1800s, they drew him maybe more like a like an elf or a gnome or something. But by the time you get to the turn of the century, he's definitely this, this he's, big guy. He's Ed Asner sized. He's Ed that's Asner. right. With a bowl full of jelly. And his, his stomach shook like a bowl full of jelly. So like if it's the elf world, right? And Santa's living up there. <clears throat> I thought about this a lot last night. Why isn't why aren't the more of the buildings tailored to Santa? It's his world, right? You work for me. Yeah. Right. So wouldn't yeah, there wouldn't there be know. areas where Buddy the Elf could be a human and, and still I mean Santa's gotta live somewhere. Right, right. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Go figure. So imagine Danny DeVito with a bowl full of jelly and a white and like a big white beard. It's saying on the QT and very hush hush and very hush hush. Mm -hmm. That's the Santa we know and love. <laughs> Santa <laughs> with a shotgun, the uh, <laughs> the LA Confidential Santa. Uh, um, What's the new one with uh, David Harbor? What's it called? Violent Christmas. Oh, uh, Violent Night. I want to see it so uh, bad. It's Violent Night. And yeah. what is it? He really is Santa, right? Yeah. These guys are holding him up. He's Santa, he's in a house and these these terrorists are holding him. They're holding a family hostage, and he, yeah. he finds out. He stumbles upon it, and Let's then see. Santa starts kicking ass and taking names. That's what I want to see. With David Harbor as the Santa, with David Harbor as the guy who's never going to be as big uh, on Stranger Things as he is anywhere else. I don't know. Is he still on Stranger Things? Yeah, co-starring. People, co people love him. Yep. But uh, yeah, you can't. He's, Did they, but they, they didn't exactly love him in uh, Hellboy, and they didn't exactly love him in uh, Black Widow. I guess. Right. I thought he's pretty funny in Black Widow, actually. Black Widow just just was not great. I think that's the problem. It, it wasn't awful either. I don't know. It just it was. It was like the first one of the first ones that was just sort of like standard. I need standard issue. Quit status quo. You know. I need all Marvel movies to be tens. It kind of felt like a, one of the TV shows, I guess, was the problem. Right. So it's ironic that there was so much hoo-ha about it not going into theaters. Speaking of hoo-ha. Yeah. It, this is, and this is not dirty. Uh, did anyone see Avatar yet? Did anyone go waste their money to go the see Avatar 2? Mm -hmm. I haven't wow. seen it, but boy, I can't believe the rave reviews. Nobody is shooting this down. They all say it's a masterpiece. It's like, what? It's like it's like Top Gun Maverick. There wasn't a bad review. It's like, what? By the <laughs> way, <laughs> I finally saw Top Gun Maverick. Uh, yeah. I have a was bad review. I have a bad review. It wasn't as good as everyone said. Huh? It was just, it was a rehash of the original mixed with Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. So I don't know. Very weird. This came thing came out and they, they all raved about it. And they all said, yes, you must see it in 3D. This thing was... Shot in 3D must be seen on the largest possible screen so, in 3D. You know? I think so. we need to wait for that initial craze to die down because there are a lot of like um, new technologies that you're using for the for the effects, like visually. Mm. So we'll let's wait for that craze to die down, and we might Ooh. get some more honest reviews. Because visually, I'm sure it's stunning, just like Avatar was. But right, I just don't care. I can't care. I just don't care about those characters. Even after 13 years, I'm not chomping at the bit to see those characters again, you know. Jake Sully? I don't know. I saw them once, and that was enough for me. Yeah, it was like enough. It was fine. It wasn't like, yeah, I don't know. Even 13 years later, I'm not 
like, oh, got to see this new one, you know. Are you sure, John? <laughs> Are you sure you aren't, you aren't just faking it to make us throw us off? I, uh, well, you know, you know, I wasn't exactly crazy about the first one. Avatar um, has a Avatar The Way of Water, three hours and 12 minute runtime. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 8.1 IMDb, 78 on Rotten Tomatoes, 68% on Metacritic. Okay. So, you know, not terrible. 78 on Rotten Tomatoes is, uh, is, is, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's decent. It's decent, yeah. Solid. Now, Chris, Christmas Day, there's a movie opening called Babylon <laughs> that's about Hollywood in the 20s. Mm. And it's got a pretty solid cast. I can't think of who the director is. I think it's, is it the guy that did La La Land, maybe? I'm out. Um, uh, director is. I know. Damien, well, all, I Damien, love that. All, I'm out. <laughs> Damien Chazelle. I can't remember. Was that the guy that did La La Land? I don't know. Let Let's Google that, Jake. Let's Google. We're googling right now. He's no. He was the writer for La La Land. Okay, so what's this director done before? As well as Whiplash, First Man, and Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh. Well, I like he, the, I like that it's Hollywood the twenties, but the trailer unfortunately makes it look like like a Baz Luhrmann thing where it's all, Hey, it's like, okay, the furniture's from the twenties, but this is shot. Like it's <laughs> 2025. You know, oh, he also directed, he directed La La Land and whiplash as well as writing. Well, I liked La La Land. I, I know I was in the minority, but I kind of liked it. I enjoyed it. John, we were, we were both in the minority. Yeah. Well, Jake, you enjoyed it because Emma Stone was in it, but you yeah. take that out and it's not a good movie. Jake was in a raincoat yeah. with a big thing mm-hmm. of popcorn on his <laughs> That's like if, if you took, if you took LA confidential and put it in the, in the two thousands, took away the fedoras and the Dean Martin, John and I would be like, meh, but. You- and we've and Mario, we've seen that. Like, what was it? Was it Mulholland Falls? You're just like, what? Or like uh, the gangster squad. I, that was on the other day. I'm like, boy, they just don't get it right. Like LA confidential got it right. Right. You know? right. It just, they didn't try hard enough, you know? Mm-hmm. So. It's, it's, and also, it's just not a tight enough script. It just feels like a TV movie, you know. There's a, yeah, well, so. it feels like you're watching Crime Story with Dennis. Yeah, Farina. this thing they really worked on. They really did. A, they did like two years of just getting it right, you know, uh, before they even shot it. You know, <laughs> two years like just scripting it. Uh, well, it was a. It yeah. was a. Well, we haven't. We're not. We haven't. We're not at the movie yet. But that was a very difficult book. James Elroy is not a guy who. Uh, writes things that are easy to film, which is why so few. And, of and this thing, this thing had like fifty characters. And James Elroy said it was they did a great job. He said they did what they had to do. They removed every. They just got it down to three stories, three cops. He says they removed everybody else. It's the only way you could have shot it. Right. And kept it under six hours. You know. Right. right. <laughs> he liked it. He liked it. He said they did a good job. You know, with an impossible book. The, the cover, you know. I read. I started reading his last one. It was a Panic in the Streets. I could uh-huh. not get. I could not get into it. I could not. Too much. I mean, they're too big, right? Too long. Well, this was more like a Hollywood Babylon thing, and uh, oh, it, it okay. just it just was not. It was not grabbing me, uh, and I usually like yeah. his stuff. You know, I read like the Black Dahlia, and I read L.A. Confidential, and um, it was not grabbing me. Maybe it was just the mm. it was it was the mood I was in. Maybe sometimes you got to be in the mood to read a certain thing. Uh, much like a TV show. I mean, show. his stuff, you you know, it's his stuff is not like the feel good. You don't read him to feel good. You know? Right. Really and you also know you're going to be, you're going to be doing a little bit of homework because there's a lot to keep track of. There's a lot of characters. Right. And there's a lot of, you need a flow chart mm-hmm. on the wall just to keep track of all the mm-hmm. characters. I think it was called Panic in the Streets. So it's about a guy who's like a, like a, 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 
he's kind of like a Ouija type, but but oh really? But like not taking but not taking photos, just oh, okay. out there out there getting gossip. I More like the board. I shouldn't have said that because that piqued your curiosity in the wrong way. No, now I'm thinking it was like he was using a Ouija board. Hey, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Uh, like, yeah, man. He was, and now I'm thinking he was Mario's brother. Hey, Ouija. Ouija. Speaking of which, oh. speaking of speaking of David Harbor, boy, he's uh, he should have been the voice of uh, Mario, huh? I don't know. I just don't think Chris Pratt. Well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I like it because Chris Pratt is. They're kind of Hollywood is kind of people are kind of falling out of love with Chris Pratt right now. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. this is. I feel I feel bad for him because he's, he's he seems like a genuinely nice guy, and I loved him as Star Lord, and I you know he's he's a lovable goof in Parks and Rec, and now all yeah. of a sudden people have just decided they've had enough of him, and uh, it's kind of weird to see like. You know, he hasn't really done anything. He hasn't really said anything bad. But uh, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, he's just uh, on the outs. So this is going to be another nail in his coffin. It's kind of weird to see when Hollywood does that sometimes. They just, just turn on. People, people are just weird. The the whole backlash thing. You get a lot of that in, in the UK. They set you up and then they tear you down. And it's just for, for headlines, you know. you don't, So here, it's just weird. There's no particular reason that people should have turned against them. They just decided it would be fun. I guess you know, he, I guess like he was, was just like a, I guess he's associated with a church that you know that is they're not very uh supportive, oh, is that right? supportive of the LGBTQ but he hasn't said anything himself he just goes to this church you know it's it's mm. not like so I think people just caught on to that and that's enough See, mm. people need to mind their own damn business if whatever he does doesn't affect you then why the well, fuck are you if trying to cancel there's somebody? there's another thing if, he, if there's another thing if he comes out and says something but if he's just yeah. going to this thing and it's like hey you yeah. know what you know what I'm not going to lie some of these Hollywood types could use a little church up you know what I'm saying but uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think th- we watch Kevin Spacey movies. That doesn't mean we agree with. Blake. Yeah, right. Look, we hey we hey we all eat yeah. at Chick Fil A. Let let yeah. he who is without sin cast the first. I don't care who it is. We all well, the, eat at Chick Fil A. The, the difficult one is uh, In and Out. Every once in a while, somebody will say, "How can you eat at In and Out?" And it's like, well, <laughs> I know it's tough, but uh, that's what, a tasty what's, burger. What's wrong with In and Out? The owners are Catholic. <laughs> That you know, so it's like you're gonna get that. Uh, don't, there's always people hitting me up, going, "Oh, they they donated to Trump, and uh, they hate the gays, and blah blah blah." It's like, well, is that really true? Well, no, I don't think they donated to Trump. I had never heard well, that. Well, I heard they donated to both parties, which I never quite get. I know that there must be some way that pays off, but uh, I never understand. Really, you donated Tax to both off, parties? Maybe I don't know, but I heard that he was like a major. They, they're major Trump supporters, so I don't know. Pretty tough to pass up. Uh, in and out. But, well, they're Catholic. They've written Bible verses on the bottom of their cups for years. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. They, yeah. right, right. Also, shut it's a delicious burger. Your, shut up and eat your burger. Also, it's a delicious burger. <laughs> it is. Listen, we you know, can. Ha- we listen. We are a country that has ideals that we never live up to. So let this be uh-huh. another one. Let yeah. this be another one. I'd like to boycott In and Out, but they're a delicious burger, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what I always say. I always go, God, couldn't it be something else like Del Monte can spinach or something? <laughs> you know, it's like, Carl why does it Jr. have to be in and out? Why do I have to boycott in and out? Nobody's boycotting that. And then I told him, um, that's what a hamburger's all about. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? We take only the freshest hamburger patties. 
freshly baked bun. Yeah, but then you, you turn around and you look and you say, look what they do. Look how how well their employees are paid. They play they pay right, for their management. Right. Oh my god, guys yeah. to go to college. I'm it's like it's a well run company. It's like well, you know, politics aside, it's a well run company. For fast food, nobody pays better. Nobody trains more, and nobody pays better. So yeah, you're right. It's like, you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I'm going to order a double-double protein style with no tomato. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, can't, we boycott something that, can't we boycott something that's easy to boycott, like Burger King or something? Carl's Jr. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, no. Well, hold on now. Hold on a second. I love it. I love it. Hold on now. Let's not be hasty. They got, they got the two for seven, the two for six, whatever. You get two sandwiches. Yeah, but they're Great terrible man. sandwiches. Mm. Carl's Jr. used to be the, used to be the, the shining star. In the yeah, burger heavens. I've tried it recently and it's fallen. The it's meat fallen. is awful. The meat yeah. tis, tastes awful. Oh They've my done, God. They're, they're like doing something ago? different. Yeah. They are doing Pre, something different. Pre COVID, 10 years ago, whenever. I can't put my finger on it, but it isn't what it was. Yeah. It used yeah. to be a pretty good burger. It used to be worth the price and now it's just, yeah. Well, that right. whole thing, the whole thing with the $6 burger started out ironically. Now all their burgers are seven bucks. I know. It's not so ironic anymore. <laughs> The six dollar right, yeah. because they were going after companies like Red Robin and stuff, you know, for charging right, six dollars right. for a burger. The six dollar burger that's worth six dollars, burger. burger, fries, and a coke. <laughs> Don't bother me, I'm eating. <laughs> so, what we're doing is we're going after the uh, the douchebag demographic <laughs> burger, fries. burger, fries, and a Coke. Don't, <laughs> don't bother me. I'm eating. All right. So you see, so all the douchebags will want to eat at Carl's Jr. Okay. All right. Now, from now on, we won't let Rudolph play see? any reindeer games. Yeah. See, see. <laughs> all right, all you guys. From now on, Rudolph doesn't get to play any reindeer games. Yeah. What a Rudolph dick. does not get to play <laughs> any reindeer games. Is I got a friend. It's so funny. One time he just goes, you know. Santa's kind of a dick in that movie. <laughs> yeah, Steve Steve O'Dockerson is always talking about Steve O'Dockerson is always talking about what a dick Santa is in that in that Man, in Rudolph. It's kind of a dick move at the beginning, you know. Santa's kind of an asshole. Uh, it's great. I gotta find he's he's got a red nose. Oh, that's too bad. We had such high hopes for him. Well, and then see ya. And then Steve O also <laughs> said uh, Burl Ives is a criminal, so that that made me happy. He said he has not been able to stop Wait, thinking about that from you. Yeah, get that from you. He has not been able to stop thinking about. Uh, you should write a book, Mara. You should write a book, getting to the bottom of that. <laughs> so this is from Steve O. Uh, Steve O'Dockerson. I hope he's he's okay with me reading his uh, Facebook post. Every time I watch the Rankin Bass Rudolph, I find more horror and narcissism. Santa comes over to see Rudolph and sings about how he's the king of jingling, then just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Uh, <laughs> Santa's a jerk. Donner's a jerk. The head elf is a jerk. Fireball's a jerk. Everybody's a jerk. <laughs> That's right. The first time you meet somebody, you know, when they finally meet Yukon Cornelius, you're like, get finally a guy who's like, you know, channeling somebody cool like Pete Seeger, maybe or something. You know, it's like banjos. What is? I go into town to get banjo strings and uh, what is it? Uh, Oh man, gosh darn! Oh man. Mm. Then yeah, he reminded me that Stinky Whistle Teats on mm. Ren and Stimpy was supposed to be Burl Ives. 
Right, right. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, stinky whistle teeth. Mm-hmm. What? It kind of flies under the radar because I think most kids watched Red and Stimpy didn't know who Burl Ives was. Right. But the, the face is this big round <laughs> face with the goatee. And he's kind of singing. Um, happy, and happy, he, joy, joy, happy, happy. Yep. I'll teach you to suck yeah. eggs. Yeah. And he's kind of, he's singing like Burl Ives too. Yeah. Why didn't you believe me? <laughs> Man, mendacity, mendacity. <laughs> and then you forget there's all those movies like uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof where he's a major asshole. <laughs> <laughs> silver and gold, silver and gold. Silver and gold. My <laughs> wife is going to do what she's told. Silver and gold, silver and it's gold. Funny that he's, he's got that sort of like warm, fuzzy. Image for the kids, but then when you see him on Broadway, he's like, you know, yeah. uh, don't make Big Daddy mad. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my sight, goddammit. <laughs> silver and gold. You once called me gold. a miserable young man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you need. The Lionel Barrymore and Burl Ives Christmas show. That's it. From jail. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> you. From jail. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney Green Street is Mr. Potter in It's Wonderful. <laughs> you, you once called me a miserable old man. <laughs> and he's swatting flies. Whack. <laughs> somehow in the middle, somehow in the middle of the winter. Yeah, how is there flies in the middle of December? Yeah, I like a man who won't leave town. <laughs> it's it's all over town. You're banging uh, Violet Bix. <laughs> what? What? No, you, she just kissed me. You, you can always get another George Bailey, but there's only one <laughs> Maltese Falcon. <laughs> 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 and it would uh, be, uh, and you'd still leave Sheldon Leonard right where he's at. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Out you two pixies to go. Maybe you get Peter Laurie to play uh, Clarence or something, you know. <laughs> I'm t- yeah. I want my wings. I need You're my not wings. Going to like it. You're not going to like it, George. She's a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Not that. Oh, don't. No, Clarence. <laughs> She's a spinster and a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So terrible. Uh, oh, no. She's dressed like a I man. Want, <laughs> I want it. It's wonderful life being but, every role being played by Peter Lorre. But no, you leave yeah. Peter Lorre, but you leave him with Jimmy Stewart. So it's great. Yeah. They, they play off of each other. Like, mm-hmm. that'd be, that's great right there. Just yeah. to some of like the oddest sounding actors. You want. Yeah, I wonder if Jimmy Stewart's ever been in a movie with Peter Lorre. Probably I don't, not. I don't know. I don't think so. Those There's are, some actors that never ended up in the same movie. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, you always go, God, that would have been a great pairing, but it was never going to happen, you know? Yeah, but you'll see a picture of them backstage at the Oscars and they know each other and they like ends up they yeah. play tennis or polo or something. Or poker. Yeah. I mean, like John Wayne and and, and uh, Humphrey Bogart. You just you just know they're not traveling in the same circles. You know, they're right. both big they're both big drinkers, but they're at different bars. You know? Right. <laughs> right. I do like the idea of Peter Laurie as Clarence, though. That is, yeah, it's the the possibilities are endless. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like a hot buttered. I'd like a hot buttered rum. <laughs> All right, Pip Squeak, you and the angel out of here. <laughs> hey, look at me! I'm giving out wings. You see, George. 
Mensch, indeed. Mm. <laughs> All right. Mm. Jake, what is your favorite Christmas song? Um, hold on. Don't feel Silver any. Silver bells. Silver bells. Silver bells, really? That's that's the Bye. best. That's the best you can find. Dean Martin. Dean Martin. There you go. Silver yeah, bells. Silver bells. It's Christmas time. I think I think Bing Crosby went it out over Dean Martin just a little bit for me. Oh, Dean. I think I think uh, maybe I think maybe Dean Martin or Bing Crosby was the originator, or at least the mm. guy who made it popular. Mm. Look it up. Look it up, Jake. Because I think I, I'm going to go out on a limb. It might be Bob Hope. I think it was at a Bob Hope movie. It might have been Bob Hope that did it first. Like the Lemon Drop Kid or something. Or Sorrowful Jones. Because one of those that takes place during Christmas, and it might actually be Bob Hope that popularized it. But I might be wrong. Um, the first recorded version was sung by Bing Crosby and Carol oh, okay. Richard on September 8th, 1950, with Scott John oh. Scott Trotter and his orchestra. All right, there you go. And the Lee Gordon Singers. I cordially invite John to suck it. And now Jake should go, oh, you're always going on about Bob Hope. Bob Hope this and Bob Hope that. And the, and the princess <laughs> and the Hope pirate. The princess and the pirate. It came on. <laughs> Buttons and bows. <laughs> Put it there, pal. That was my, that was my Bob Hope. It came on. <laughs> oh, man. People were always going on about Kmart. Remember, they'd roll like, them out. Sound like the penguin. They'd roll them out, and he would just stare at the thing. Oh, it's, it's it's sad. It's sad. He's like a hundred. Yeah, He's all coming down, to, coming down to Kmart. It's like cue cards as big as the wall. Sad, <laughs> sad. I'd prefer to remember him like he was in the Road to Utopia. I don't care where we're going, just as long as it's with you. Put her there, pal. Put her there. Oh, we're on the road to Morocco. To Morocco. All right. All right. Enough of Bob Hope. Enough right. of Bob enough Hope. Of enough. Hope. What's your favorite Christmas song, John? Let's talk about that. Uh, oh, you know, I like a lot. Well, I love Father Christmas by the Kinks. But yep. It's pre- pretty tough to beat uh, Run Rudolph Run by Chuck Berry. That's but, a good one, too. But what's, your, but what's your favorite Christmas song? Not your favorite. Uh, you mean no, not oh, your, no, re- not, not recording, but not just your, song. Not huh? your favorite Knock novelty song, you know what I mean? I'm talking Christmas spirit oh, of Christmas oh, to make you oh, feel you, like Christmas. Is oh, like a religious it. song? Mm. No, but it could be like the Charlie Brown version of Oh Tannenbaum. That seems like more like a real Christmas song. Mm. Or not that Run Rudolph isn't a great song. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, you know, I like um, you know, I like Darlene Love doing uh, Christmas. Now we're talking. Home, you know? Now yeah. we're. I just posted that. Uh, you know, she used to sing that almost every year on Letterman. She missed a few years, but. Uh, and I, I think the one I every year when you ask me this, I think the one I always put out there that not too many people have heard is um, is Ike and Tina Turner doing "Merry Christmas, Baby." Okay. Uh, and it's it's just incendiary. It just sounds like <laughs> they're burning the house down. It's just insane. Well, they might have been. Yeah. Or at least Ike was. Yeah, they might have been. Maybe that's maybe that was a bad analogy, but. Uh, it's just about, it's the craziest vocal. It's right up there with Darlene Love. It's the craziest vocal on a Christmas song. It's just insane. Uh, let me tell you something. For you kids that only know Mariah Carey, and that's your favorite Christmas song, you listen to Darlene Love, uh, uh, Christmas Baby, please, please Come Home. Wow. It yeah, also- nobody, needed to, 
Nobody needed to cover that. You too covered it also. And nobody needed to cover that. She's the definitive version, you know. Uh, also, that opens one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, Gremlins. There you so, go. So, uh, yeah, it's right in the beginning when you when you when you see the little town square there, which I believe is the same town square as Back to the Future, but it could be wrong. Yes, I think you're right. It's the universal back lot. Okay. I don't go. know. I like I like a lot of those old ones. You know, I still I like just about anybody doing Blue Christmas. You know, I'll have a blue Christmas without you. Elvis, Elvis doing Blue Christmas was pretty much what I was hearing when, as a little kid. We had the Elvis oh, Christmas album. He'll be doing all right with your Christmas. And you know, he's got the Jordan ears going. Have oh, a blue, 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 blue Christmas. Christmas. You just imagine the hips swinging on blue. Blue, blue, oh. blue. <laughs> yep, he gets in there. Elvis was a hero to most. But he didn't mean shit to me. Thank you. Uh, you know, Mario, most of my heroes don't appear on no stands. That's right. Elvis was a hero to most, but he don't. Didn't never mention to me. Um, hey, motherfucker, right. him and John Wayne. Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, How about you, Mario? You, your favorite Christmas. You, song. you are the ones. You are the ones who will be judged. Uh, you know, Mahalia Jackson, Jackson singing "Oh Holy Night" is pretty tough to beat. Wow. Uh, you want to? You want to just put it all? You know, put all doubts aside as, as to uh, you know. What Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. It's right there in that song. Mm. That's a great that 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 to me is that's right up there for me when I hear because they they have a recording where you, you know it starts out with like a bell. That to mm. me, when I hear that bell, it's the same as hearing the opening of uh, of O Tenenbaum by uh, uh, Vince Guaraldi. Mm. Uh, it's right. It's Christmas. It's Christmas, yeah. guys. So yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I'll have to find that. Uh, oh, that's a great one. And then for you know, my 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 daughter was talking about this last night. She goes, "Man, whoever the, every every soundtrack, every song on this Elf soundtrack is a banger." Is what she said. <laughs> Bangers only. Well, I, I love uh, Zoe Deschanel doing. Um, what is it that she's doing at the end there? Santa uh, Claus is coming to town. Oh, at the end, she's doing it with uh, Leon Redbone over the yeah, credits. She's doing. I I really can't stay. That's right. Maybe it's cold The song that you can't do anymore. They had to rewrite it, right? Somebody had to rewrite that. I don't think you anybody re- do that song did. Anymore. They? Yeah, I think John Legend or somebody rewrote it so it wouldn't be so creepy. But you know, it seems it, like it's just harmless, think, harmless, harmless flirting. Right. I think that'll go back to it'll. That'll revert. That'll revert. Don't I, worry. That's never going go away. Maybe it's cold outside. That's never going to go away. Uh, the one that should go away is Santa Baby. That is gross. <laughs> I've never liked that. No. Yeah. Like the way you feel about the man with the, the man you, with the bag. Michael Bagford reminded me that I hate that song. And I've totally, I kind of put it out of my mind because I haven't heard it this year. Waiting for the man with the bag. You know what? Talk that about a sexual song right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sexual, I don't, yeah, but Santa Baby's tough. Even the original, mm-hmm. even the Eartha Kit is tough to, to sit through. But the Madonna is awful. Ugh, listen to Madonna, uh, sort of caterwaul. Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag. You know, there's a there's a time where the where the hipsters <laughs> where the hipsters really got away. Uh, I was just thinking about this. It, it, it the reason you know everybody loves the song "That's Life" by Frank Sinatra. 
Yeah, and That's all uh, people say. And that, what 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 bothers me as much as the, I I want to love that song more, what bothers me is all the slang that he throws in there. Shot down uh-huh. to me. I'm gonna jump on a big bird and fly. That's like so dumb. I'm yeah, on a jump. That's so dumb. Well, what year is it? I mean, it's you know what I mean. When he did it, it wasn't goofy. It was like right on the money, probably. I'm gonna oh. jump on a big bird. You ever really? Hey, look at that, that big bird up in. Up. Hey, look at that big bird up in the sky there. That's a plane. Hey, That's an airplane. That's a jet. We're living in. We're, big bird. <laughs> we're living in the future. That's not a bird anymore. That's, do you see the wings flapping, Frank? That is a jet. There, <laughs> there was a time when you couldn't go up against Sinatra. He was like the golden cow. But I'll, I'll go after him now that he's been dead. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, it's okay to not like Sinatra, but it's funny all that that hipster slang that came back. You know, they're they're quoting stuff that you know was like you know 40 years ago. Right. You know. Right. Uh, no, I don't mind it. Uh, I actually, it sounds like I don't like Sinatra in this episode, but I do. I love him. <laughs> I, I love Sinatra. I don't want you to get, to, but you know, when you love someone, you can criticize them, and it's okay. Why well, you criticize the Beatles so much? No, that's different. Boy, Jake, Jake, Jake was on that. Like, Jake was on that like he's been waiting all day. I don't you know, notice. I don't criticize the Beatles because I don't bother to listen to the Beatles. I have nothing mm, to. I see. Uh-huh. I, see. I can't so get. get the I can't get through a whole song without nodding off. Okay. Sounds but like you know what I, But you know what I love about Mario <laughs> is that he is now officially a Ruddles fan, and that I love. Ding I love ding him. ding 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 ding. I love this man. <laughs> he's a Ruddles fan. And then the show came to a crashing halt. Yep. Well, whatever happened to our sponsor last Christmas, Northgate Market? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I had a Northgate. I had a Northgate. I had a Northgate cheese tamale, and I was disappointed with the ratio of filling to masa. Really? Too much masa. TMM. It'll ruin. It'll ruin a good tamale every time. Man, ah. sponsored for years now, lost it because they can't get a good ratio down. This this week's uh, episode is sponsored by the Lillipot. Uh, how, how are her cheese tamales? Uh, we'll find out. We'll find out. We, well, I'll eat them with a fork the right way. Yeah. And uh, Lillipot, let us know how you're. Let us know how I you're. Thought t- Mario, I thought Mario was going to say, "We'll find out when we all hop on a plane and visit the Lillipot." We should year. go. We should go. We should all Next go to. The, we should all just show up in the UK and just be like, "We're here." Wouldn't she? Uh, she would just flip, wouldn't she? Well, she's from the north, so she would say, "What?" That's what she would say. What? What? I think that's how you'd say it. What? It's okay. I have a friend who lives in Newcastle, so Newcastle. That's you do. N- that's more possible than it may seem. Wow. What does your friend right. do in Newcastle? Let's shout them out. Hmm. It's my friend. That's my friend Courtney. Hi, Courtney. She doesn't listen, but yeah, you know. Why doesn't she Why, listen? She's going to listen like, now. If, if if we walked in on uh, the lily pot and like she her back was turned to the door, what would you say to get her attention? Uh, I would say, oi. <laughs> no, I mean, what would you say that she'd know it was you and go, oh my god. That can't is that Mario? I would say Excuse me, ma'am. Is there uh do you have honey in your ear holes? I'm trying Yeah, yeah. I'd say uh welcome back to the Superiority Complex, your new favorite podcast. There you go. We're coming to you live from uh somewhere in the north of uh of of, in the north of England and somewhere in the north, yeah. The north. (laughs) What that's what you say. What the north remembers Pepperidge Farm remembers. (laughs) 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 And then I'd say 
where are the Buzzcocks playing? Tonight? Yes. And she'd say, oh, no, you brought John with you. Yes. <laughs> she would hear that laugh. That's go, the best. Oh, that's, oh, no. That's the best gift of all. Yeah. We wouldn't want big John Sandy traveling with you. She'd go, there's the door. <laughs> we'd have to, it would be the middle of summer, so we'd have to bundle up and, uh, in the middle of summer. <laughs> yeah, it's always cold there. Huh? We would all be wearing our coats, our winter coats. Be nice. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, someday. One day. Someday he'll come along. All right, let's talk about the movie, you guys. It's time to talk about... LA conference. We did talk about swingers. We will circle back around. We'll pick up swingers next week. We had, it's not been forgotten, but I wanted, you know, what was weird. If we would have done it last week, uh, the, the podcast would have aired on the day that Mike was supposed to call that girl back. Ooh. Ooh, that would have been great. Yeah. If we had, if I, we, I missed, I missed something. Mike Bagford. No, Mikey. Mikey. You know, Mikey. Who's the oh, big... oh, on the in the movie? Yep. Yeah. The day what he was day? supposed the day he was supposed to call Heather Graham back was the day we would have recorded. Oh, okay. He marked it on the calendar. Missed opportunity. Oh, you're right. You're right. And did everyone catch the new Beverly schedule on his refrigerator? Yes, I did. <laughs> we we, we could have talked about this last week, but a bunch of people didn't want to show up, so I was ready. Yep. Anyway, well, welcome well, you were, you back. Were it. <laughs> Evidently, you were the only well, one who was showing up. Well, it's, it is my show, so I try to be ready. I was looking at that going, that's everyone. If I cancel, there's nobody left but Mario. Mm-hmm. Yep. John was sleepy last week. John had a little sleep. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, that's right. I just wanted to sleep in. I'm tired. I can't make the show. I'm tired. Oh, I'm so tired. John, I, you, work, Jake? <laughs> I work just too much. I cannot sit and talk for two hours. And how about you, Jake? Where were you? Uh, I my cousin was graduating. So oh, congratulations to your cousin! I got guilt tripped into going. So. Okay. <laughs> but here we are. We're here back. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> Jigsaw, let's move on. Let's not quibble over who went to a graduation. And who and who <laughs> didn't didn't show up. We know who's we we know. We know. We were, it would be great if it would be great if Jake and I were actually at Disneyland that day. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, uh, what do we say? Um I don't know. Oh, so you got a graduation. <laughs> Anonymous right. photos from somebody who but did, did you hear the Mark Twain in the background going? <laughs> Is that the teacups I hear at your graduation? What? Oh, yeah. The is that? Yeah. LA Confidential is our movie this week. Yeah. Confidential. Jake, why don't you? Jake, why don't you break us down? I'm going to do something different because Patrick always does the same thing. I'm doing it. It's my, I'm going to do it here. Uh, LA Confidential released September 19th, 1997, with a runtime of two hours and 18 minutes. Story is of three policemen with own motives and obsessions to tackle the corruption uh, surrounding an unsolved murder at a downtown Los Angeles coffee shop in the early 1950s. Detective Lieutenant Exley, played by Guy Pierce and son, of a murder detective is out to avenge his father's killings. Ex-partner, Officer White, 
played by Russell Crowe, implicated in a scandal rooted out by Exley, was one of the victims. Sergeant uh, Vincent, uh, what did they say? Vincennes? Vincennes. Vincennes, played by Kevin Spacey, feeds classified information to a tabloid magnate, played by Danny DeVito. With a budget of $35 million, John, how much do you think this movie made? I know it was a hit. What did it cost to make? $35 million. It was a big hit. Um, I'm going to say it was like $120 million. Mario? I'm going to say it was $7 million. Or $70 million. $7 million. Well, John got very close uh, with a total box office uh, of $126.2 million. There we go. Big hit as a hit at the box office, and it was a critical hit too. Yes. A lot of most critics gave it a big, big thumbs up. An eight point two on IMDb, ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and a ninety percent wow. on Metacritic. Ninety nine, gee, mm-hmm. that's about as good as you can do. I think Citizen King got knocked down to ninety nine, right? <laughs> it was a hundred. It got knocked down to ninety nine. Now, does Rotten Tomatoes have? What are like? What are like the top movies on them right now? Oh, good question. Uh, rating. It's no. been a while since I've seen something Paddington new. Two. Yeah, that's right. That's what took evidently, unless it was a gag. That's what took Citizen Kane down a peg. <laughs> Still it, quite it's time. It's time. You know that movie's almost. Movie's almost uh, hundred yeah. years old. Oh God! There was a new one. The Sight and Sound. Uh, I think uh, Vertigo got knocked out. Vertigo knocked out Citizen Kane ten years ago. This this year, uh, Vertigo got knocked down. Oh, by the the, the movie about the prostitute. <laughs> it's a, it's a Danish movie. Is it Danish? Is it? I think it's Danish uh, or Korean. I don't know. It was a foreign film. But yeah, I can't it's, it's like a three hour uh, slice of life movie about a woman who's a prostitute. Mm. I forgot the name of it. It's it's it's, it's the kind of movie that uh, it's it's important. But it's not necessarily entertaining. Uh, I guess. No, I guess uh, we need those for the critics. Uh, we just want to. We just want to watch movies and enjoy them. Um, you know, it's a different list. It, you know, for people that just want to watch a movie and eat popcorn, it's a different list. You know. Mm-hmm. I think we should rate the popcorn. You like to have a popcorn? Yeah, John. You John likes to get the popcorn, puts butter on it. Mm. Uh, uh, I get it, no butter. But I will put those cheese assortments out there, the the, the sprinkles, <laughs> the little shakers, the, the little shakers. Like, oh, like Shaker. the powdered cheese. Oh. that's pretty. Good. Now they got like a hundred different flavors. You know, they yeah. got chocolate, they mm-hmm. got uh, mm-hmm. hazelnut. Yeah, yep. Some AMC's will have like that kettle corn that they have. It's like, it's like the cheese and the kettle and the. This made a hundred and third, hundred and twenty. How many million? Hundred twenty. Hundred and twenty-six. Almost uh, tripled its money. huh? Beautiful. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, this came out the same year as Titanic. This so should Titanic have won. won. Titanic it, won just about every award, but the, the two that they didn't win went to LA Confidential, oh. which was, I think, adapted screenplay. And, um, oh, Kim Bassinger won for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, this, by the way, far superior to Titanic. And I will say, I will go to my grave. I will die on this hill. Titanic sucks. And uh, <laughs> this is a great movie. And so you should watch it. So. Mm-hmm. Let's rate it 10. <laughs> Let's rate it goodbye. 
Merry Christmas. Jake, what'd you think? You'd never seen it, man. What'd you think of LA Confidential? Oh, what a what a fucking wild ride, especially <laughs> in like that last half hour. Holy shit. <clears throat> um it really got crazy when they started when the night owl uh right. got, got brought into it. Because you knew that there was some corruption going on, been trying to pin things on other people and people being scapegoats and stuff. But the second you walk in there and there's police officers and just like what? It's just absolutely crazy. And that was Exleaf, right? Who who walks into that? Right. And he's like being the poster child for like the straight and narrow, straight and narrow police officer. So right. he gets thrown into all this huge mess. So what Guy Pierce, Guy Pierce, great at being a little, uh, a little, a little uh, button polisher, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, know, like he's climbing the ladder. <laughs> he's really good. He's so good in it. So everybody in this cast, top notch, top notch mm-hmm. cast. From like the the smallest characters to you know the major players, everybody in this, and uh, everybody looks, um, with the exception of of Russell Crowe, a little bit. Uh, just because of his body type at the time, everybody else seems very period appropriate too. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that, you don't think there were guys that big on the uh, LA? Maybe, LA but I, so, <laughs> I guess just because we know, I don't know, there's something about him in that. It's just the way he wears the suit. I don't know. He just doesn't I seem. Don't know. To, this, is, this is like the first thing. This is the first big hit he ever had in America. Yeah, I had I had no preconceived. Uh, expectations i'd never seen him or guy Pierce no but john this is a movie and we know some of these areas where they filmed in la and how hard it is to make it look like it was oh back yeah in 50 really when, when does it take place 55 56 mm-hmm. and something like that and uh but boy we we talk about movies that get the period just right this is one of them this is yeah. one of them yeah. they nail yeah, I never it once, i never once felt like i was being pulled out of it because of some sort of piece or some random some random proper cars some people some people at the time had um problems with pierce patchett's house but uh those old that's a 50s house isn't it yes it's actually it's actually they were called case study houses and they were (laughs) built in like the late 30s actually so that goes it predates the 50s it looks futuristic but that was the point right right yeah yeah. yeah, it looks, and that's, the, and that's the kind of guy that could afford a house like that. Right, I think that's up <laughs> in Pasadena, but uh, yeah, they were called case study houses. I think there was like twelve of them around L.A., and they were meant to be like you know, for architecture. You know, they would. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was one of them, and people thought, oh, you guys picked the wrong house. That looks like it's out of the '80s or something. But no, yeah, it was really built like way back in like the '30s or '40s, I think. Yeah, he uh, was very careful to shoot mostly neighborhoods and places that were still intact and he told the, the production designers he says get all the detail exactly right but then bring it to the background i don't want it to be obviously in the foreground get it just dead right and then let it recede so it's just sort of like in the background and boy does that work because you can kind of overdo it on period pieces you know like you put like a you know a, an era specific telephone right in the foreground that's kind of a gonna kill the whole scene you know <laughs> Uh, hold on, I'm reading. Keep going, John. That was a good insight, my friend. And I'm not saying that to fluff you off. That really was. <laughs> no, because you know this was tough to get made. He had to really sell them. Um, the first thing was they didn't know if anybody would go see this. And he, the way he pitched it was he had postcards. He had like 15 vintage postcards of LA, what it looked like in the 30s and 40s. 
and uh, leading into the early 50s. And then then he had like the cover of those uh, Confidential. The magazine, Hush Hush, is kind of a takeoff on a real magazine that was called Confidential. And so he said, what this is going to be is going to be like the dark underbelly of what these postcards were selling to people who didn't live in California. And then once he got him to sign on, um, they weren't crazy about who he was picking for the actors. He says, I don't want well-known actors because these are not very... Uh, when you first meet these characters, they're not very sympathetic. As the story progresses, you start feeling for them. But I can't have somebody that you already like because they're a movie star. It's got to be faces you don't know. Because he said that was the thing about the book. He read the book and he said, I don't like these characters. But as you start reading more and more, you start to feel for what they're going through. They've all got these demons and problems. And uh, so he says, it's, he says, I can get you like a Danny DeVito. I can get you... You know, uh, Kevin Spacey will have some faces that people recognize. But for the leads, he says, I really want to go for for an unknowns. Right. And I think using Guy Pierce was uh, was a stroke of genius. And then you had uh, Russell Crowe, of course. Uh, and, and I think would you have known those guys are from like Australia? Actually, I think they're from New Zealand. You'd never know the way they nail the accents. You would never know. No, no. Those guys are from mm-hmm. down under. <laughs> And uh, they're 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 acting uh, their asses off too. Um, I was just reading about the case study houses. They were done by, they were houses that were built. There was there was an architectural firm built them to. They were, it was supposed to be different designs that could be mass produced cheaply for ah. like the post war boom, and that ah. the, that particular house was built in 1947 in uh, Pasadena. So you know that was already, you know that would have been in existence at the time. So. If that was your beef uh, when you watched the movie. <laughs> well, it just goes to show you how futuristic those houses looked, that somebody would go, gee, you know, is that from the 80s? <laughs> right, know? right. Um, so, Jake, did you have trouble following, you know, there's a lot of characters, a lot of moving parts. How 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 hard was it to follow everybody? Um, It was... I think I needed that like like towards the end <laughs> where Exley was like huh, giving like right. there's no there's that in every movie that gets super convoluted plot wise and then like oh then they kind of help you tie everything together but I thought I had a pretty good feel on it until he broke it down I'm like oh oh yeah okay well what's crazy that, that was almost like the end of a Bogart movie where yeah. he just sort of spells it all out you know well, well you're trying to tell me that this person yeah. did this. <laughs> And this person, so then they use this guy to do this, so then this happens. Like, uh, What's crazy is you, you brought up the night owl. The night owl takes place about a third of the way through the movie, and that's uh-huh. really what sets the plot going. So everything else, as much as we talk about how every scene has to advance the plot, in this movie, a lot of the scenes develop the characters. Right. So that whole yeah. scene in the beginning that opens on Christmas Eve where that whole sequence that takes place, everything from... Bud beating up the wife beater, mm-hmm. you know, on Christmas Eve and saying Merry Christmas. Actually getting locked out of the jail cell. Exactly. The, everything, yeah. that, everything that goes on with the, with the you know, the, the Mexican guys who they say beat up the two cops, um, you know, that whole thing. All of that just really sets the table. So when the table's set, then here's the yeah. night owl. So here, you know, you you know his partner, Stensley, you know all this, these things have gone on. So now here we're going to go. So instead of... You know, as much as we talk about on this podcast that we like those movies lean, um, this movie really takes its time in the beginning to develop. There's probably about 
20 or 30 minutes where you're just developing the characters. You're just developing the characters. But you know, this is, this was a monster book and uh, Curtis Hanson, he, he pruned it down to like right. three, three main characters. And he, he said when he, he loved the book, but he said, it, I wasn't particularly interested in the story. I was interested in the characters. So that's how he approached the movie. It's not necessarily about the plot. It's about the characters. Right. What no, no. Yeah. yeah, it works. This is, yeah. this is one of those rare instances where, yeah. Every scene might not advance the plot, but it's adding to the story and it's adding to the, and your understanding of what's going right, on. Right. Right. Because There's all you, you need movies. to know, you need to know what happened that night in the jail cell to understand the motivation of a lot of the characters, you know, how, you know, you, you just needed to understand the dynamic between Bud Exley and then the rest of the police. And you also, yeah, you also need to understand how corrupt the police were. You know, you have yep. to, you need to understand what was going on, how people were being railroaded and things like that. So yeah. you need all that background uh, before they can get you to where the story starts, because that's really what sets everything off. Right. The massacre at the Night Owl Cafe. And, uh, you know, that really sets everything off. And then it's kind of it falls out from there. So it's just really interesting build the way they, they build the, the story in this one. And, uh, um <clears throat> You know, I'm always a sucker for movies that are, you know, this era, you know, this takes place in Los Angeles, so it's fun to look around and see, oh, what's there? That's still there. You know, the Pantages, the Formosa, the Formosa yeah. all that stuff's still there. Um, the Frolic Room. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there's still a lot of stuff that's there that, you know, this was, this movie's 20 years old now. Um, so, you know, some of that stuff might not be around anymore or, you know, I saw an old video, John, of someone put it on online and it was somebody driving around Hollywood in the 50s. And uh, next to the um, across from the where the hush hush offices is, is the what is that the Seven Seas or what's the name of that little plaza? Oh, um, Crossroads of America. Crossroads yeah. of America. Next to that was a giant church, like a wow. huge church at the time. Oh, uh, I think it's still there. The church is still there. Yeah. Oh, is it? So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's not the church it was fifty years ago, but I think it is still a church. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was looking. And at that our- was the first mall that Crossroads of the. The Crossroads of the World, it was like the first mall. It looked like Disneyland. Every building was like a little, uh, you know, kind of like a mock-up of uh, a different country's architecture. But it was like an outdoor mall. And uh, that movie theater, that thing uh, where they're having the premiere, that's the, uh, for the longest time, that was like a a, um, a uh, travel agent. That great big spire with the, the, oh, right. the globe at the top. That was like a... Uh, I remember what, that. What tied that whole thing together with this travel agency. And it's probably why they call it Crossroads of the World. Yeah. We lost Jake, but he's back now. Hi, Jake. How you doing, Hi. buddy? Good. Jake, who do you think was the who was your favorite character in this in all this whole thing in this in this epic? Ooh. Um What's the name of the corrupt captain? Oh, uh, oh a, Farmer Hoggett? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That'll that'll name. do, Vincennes. That'll do. Yeah. Um, where is he? Where's his name? He's in here somewhere. James Cromwell. Oh, he's yeah. so good, man. I thought he was so good. Oh. Have you a valediction, Boyle? Roll oh, uh, you hate him so much, but like, God damn it, he's playing it so well. Also, did when I saw this the first time, I went. They're having a cup of tea in the morning. He's in his bathrobe. Where did the gun come from? In his pocket. No, what I'm saying is you're not expecting it. He goes, so did you tell anybody you were coming here? No. Bang. And you're like, 
fuck, you just handed him a cup of tea. You're in your bathrobe. <laughs> right. Out comes the gun. As soon as he knows, I'm the only one who knows this. Right. And you just, you, God, when he says, do you have any last words? And he says, roll to Masi, and starts smiling. It's like, ah, oh, he got him. He we, got him. Let's take a pause. You know, we were talking about this. John and I were talking about, uh, you know, you know, with the, how, when something happens, like with Kevin Spacey or when, the, you know, these things come out about people and then you, you watch a movie later. Um, it's always a little bit difficult sometimes because you're thinking, you're obviously thinking that in the, in the back of your mind or you're going, and, uh, John and I were talking about what, it, you know, uh, just, you know, aside obviously from how awful all of these things are, you know, everything that's come out about Spacey, but you also say, well, you know, well, here was a guy who was a great actor, you know, so he was, he was a great actor and, uh, it's a, diff- it's a whole different side, you know, to what his personal life was, but he, this movie, it just reminded me, yeah, he was a great actor, you know, right. Subtle. All that subtle stuff, you know exactly what kind of copy is just from the way he's moving his eyes, body language, the way he enters a room. I mean, he was a hell of an actor, you know. What can you say? You'll probably never see him act again. You know, he's done. But back back when he was acting, he was a hell of an actor, you know. Yeah. So, you know, this is not uh, us watching these movies is not in any way a, you know, uh, that's not our seal of approval. Yeah, that's not that's not our seal of approval. But so it's people it's going to come up, you know, we're coming up on the like the prime Kevin Spacey era. So he is going to make appearances uh, here and there. And and we're not going to cut movies out because, you know. You know, we're going to we're going to keep going forward. But just, you know, just want to acknowledge that. But, uh, yeah, you you, you're watching. So in this movie, it's easy just to think of him as the character. You think of him as Jack Vincennes. And And of course, like you said earlier, that does put a spin on it because he's playing sort of like this sleazy cop. Right. Right. It's it's kind of like on the wrong side. Sort of a sort of a predatory cop. Yeah. And what's interesting when I saw this, like, you know, 25 years ago, is he does have that moment where he's thinking about maybe redeeming himself. He leaves behind the 50 at the bar. It seems like he's going to go and try to maybe warn the kid when he walks in. Yeah, that's what he's going to do. He opens the door. He says, come on, kid, let's get out of here or something. And it's too late. It's already happened. But there's a moment. And then when he says uh, to James Cromwell, I'm thinking of trying to set something straight that I got wrong. And he's all, don't try to do the right thing. You're out of practice. You know, right. (laughs) <laughs> right, right, Boyo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you a valediction, a, Boyo? But that whole monster, that whole thing <laughs> with Rolo Tomasi, what a great old school Hollywood kind of like. Uh, uh, that's such a great little plot twist where he tells them, and then the look on Exley's face, where for a second you realize uh-huh. he's, you realize uh-huh. he realizes yeah. what's gone on, and he's terrified, but also angry, but also there's like a million uh, emotions that wash over his face. And I'd uh, like to play that scene. And then he goes, Oh no, I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't sound familiar. No, he just never mentioned him. You know, that whole scene was just fantastic. I'm also thinking this is the second time, you know, he also is the guy with, with the, uh, the mysterious Kaiser Soze. So I'm thinking twice he's been given a name to sort of toss out as right. Right. It's sort of like a, a a linchpin to the, to to the action in the movie, you know? Right. Uh, let's talk very briefly about the what I think is one of the the best scenes in the whole movie, and it's that shootout at the end, um, mm, which God. which uh, uh, I just watched a movie. What was it called? It's with uh, I told you it's about it's with um, Sam Rockwell, and it's a little fifties Agatha Christie spoof. I just I forgot what the name of it is. Say again. 
they I just I talked about it a couple a few weeks ago. It's a it's a Sam Rockwell movie. It's a fifties Agatha Christie spoof. It takes place on in the West End. With, with Sam Rockwell. Yeah, with uh, with your girl that I can never pronounce her name, Jake. The Irish girl. See how they run? Yeah, Saoirse. see how they run. That's what it was. Sarsha. Sarsha yeah. Ronan. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, I forgot why I was making that comparison. Oh, in that movie, they talk about how all American movies have to end in a shootout. <laughs> uh, no, uh, what's his name? Um, um, he, one of the, 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 the somebody who plays an American playwright, and uh, he, yeah, he, he's yeah. he's well, you know, he's an American screenwriter. And he's trying to make them rewrite this play, and he's like, they're like, you want to have a shootout? Like, you, you really want to shoot out in this thing? He's like, yeah, that's the way it's going to be. Uh, you know, he's like a, a typical American, but the, you know, this really does work really, really well. And I love the way they set it up so that you never see how many people there are. You just see the headlights of the cars surrounding the the hotel, the little And then the feet. When yeah. he's uh, <laughs> underneath the, the place, under the floorboards, oh, and you're going, how are they going to get out of this? And he's shooting their feet out from right. underneath. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, That's such a crazy really scene. Because you think, how are they going to live through this? It sounds like five cars pulled up. That's like 10 cops, all armed. And right. somehow... They made it through, you know, crazy. Right. Uh, Believable. That yeah. scene, when I first had, I remember being in the theaters and the way they mixed the sound on that, you could hear footsteps all over the theaters. So you could hear people running behind and you could hear people. Wow. And um, I remember that. It was very, very vivid. And then when it was on home, it was in the, <coughs> when they first put it on DVD, I remember it had that same thing. I had a surround sound system and you could hear, uh, you know, people running all over the, all over the place. It was really, really mixed well. So it's not just the visuals they paid attention to. They paid attention to everything. Uh, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, top to bottom, this movie was... Um, Masterful. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, John, who is your favorite character in the whole thing? Oh, you know, they're all great. I mean, um, because, you, yeah, they're not... None of them are very sympathetic. Certainly not the Guy Pierce character. At Exley, but even he has moment at the end, you know, when uh, when Bud says, you know, are you kidding? The night owl made you, you know, you're the one that got the medal, you know, you're willing to take that down. He's all with a wrecking ball. You want to help me swing it, <laughs> you know? Right. He's at, at that moment. He's prepared. He's all whatever it, we have to. It's funny that they all sort of, they all kind of figured out that there was something screwy, you know. It's funny they're so different, but both of them were kind of like, you know what? This is not. This doesn't feel right right and what i love is i love how bud everyone treats him like he's just this meathead and he is smarter he is figuring all this out and but everyone just sort of thinks he's the muscle and the only one that sees that he's smarter is uh is kim bassinger you know right she's all hey you've you know you've figured out a lot so far you know um but then you see the motivation they both have this motivation from when they were kids um so it's very tough. When you find out that whole thing about Russell Crowe's character, what happened to him as a kid, watching his mom being beat to death while he's tied to a radiator. Right. So that feeds into that scene when when the guy is uh, being interrogated and he says that this girl is still somewhere and he breaks the chair. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the craziest scene. Right. You see his hands on the chair and he breaks the chair in right. half and right. runs in there and puts the gun in his mouth and goes, where? 
you know, you just go, wow, they just unleashed this guy like a, you know, like a, like a bear, you know. I love the scene where after that, after that whole confrontation, Exley goes to question the girl and then he's like, hey, keep your career, put your career on hold for a second. And they go back and forth and they approach each other and you see the captain in the background kind of watching to see how it's going to play out. Like he's right. trying to see, you know, he's trying to figure it out because, you know, th- these guys are useful to him. And so there's a whole right. lot going on in this movie where you just see he's, he, he's playing, he's playing one off the other. That one scene where he, he lets him see the photos of Exley with, with uh, Kim Bassinger. And he's oh, all, yeah. I wouldn't trade places with him for all the whiskey in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> He knows he's and God, even uh, Danny DeVito's character, he's setting everybody off against each other. He's the guy with the strings on all the puppets. You know, even Danny DeVito doesn't know what's happening. He's all, gee, pull your punches. I thought we were in this together. And he starts putting the gloves on like you're not going to make it out of this room. Oh, alive, man. You know? man, I would say. But I would say my favorite I would have to say is the uh, is Bud is the is uh, the uh, Russell Crowe character is my favorite. I am. With, seems to be. I am the one with, that uh, I like the best. I am with Jake a little bit on the, uh, I do like Pretty the captain. Tough. I do like the captain. I like that. Mm-hmm. He says, this here's the city of angels and you haven't got any wings. Uh, you know, I love he's the, a great, he's a great the, villain. He's a great villain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I like the, I like That's Edmund. Character? I like Edmund Exley. I like, I like everybody in this movie, but I think my favorite character is the lady who plays the mom of, uh, Karen Leffert. Um, uh, the the God. she's so but she because she's so realistic. Well, it's so sad. Yeah, she really is. It's like little old lady that doesn't really know what's going on. All she knows is that her daughter has been killed and disrespected, and just that's yeah. You're right. She plays it a hundred percent real. Yeah, that's not a that's not a star turn. That's like a real person. She doesn't understand that. Just the look of defeat on her face when she's outside smoking the cigarette. When Exley yeah. pulls up and she's like, "Leave my daughter alone!" Like, "Leave her alone!" You know, I, that always just gets to me. It's, there's like that, that's like there's this isn't a movie with a lot of heart, like a lot of there's not a lot of people to generate sympathy for, but you really do feel sorry for her. She's just this little old lady that's uh, you know, yeah. Those scenes are always really tough, you know. And even there, you know, there, you know, and Bud White's the only one that shows her any decency. You know, he gives her the right. He takes Buzz's wallet and says, "Here, courtesy of the Los Angeles Pol- yeah. Police Department, ma'am." And you can tell it's not even she. She doesn't care, but she, you know, she takes it. But it's not, you know, right. It's not going to replace her daughter. I, I, I always liked that lady. I don't know. I've never seen her in anything else or any. But she always just seemed like it's very sad. It's it's always very, very sad because to me. it's real. Because right. it's real. Right. You know, you're right. That whole scene where she's got to identify her daughter's body. That's just heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, and then uh, she's got um, the. She doesn't know that Buzz is underneath the house. She thinks it's a rat, and that, you know. Yeah. You know, it's all kind of a bummer, but uh the moments when Bud is unleashed, but it's for it's for good. Like when he when he uh holds the DA out the window and you're going, <laughs> Yes, this is using your power for good. Yeah. You know, he's just like ready to just drop him out the window. Or he's like, Okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. <laughs> or when he's shot shotgunning corrupt cops, you know, in the feet. Uh, you know? <laughs> when he's got his face in the toilet and he says, Call him off, he's all I don't know how to. <laughs> That's you know, Edley actually has a great line too. When when uh, when the captain tells him uh, it's best to stay a man, for, stay away from the man when his blood is up, and he said he says his blood is always up. You know, he's always just the it's guy. It's great when they finally start working together. You just can't help but love it. By the end, they are really they've got each other's backs. I mean, he pushes them out of the way. 
that last shot in, in the, uh, right. The, the victory motel, you know, that, so he says, thanks for the push. You know, I mean, they had each other's backs, you know? Right. Yeah. That scene is shot very well. It looks very realistic. You know, it's, you know, the dark, you know, everything, it, they don't really go flashy with it, you know? Uh, and actually looks, I mean, they look, you, you know, that you you can feel that they're scared they're not like these you know they're not invincible you know it's right on the money right they're not like it's not like they're butch and sundance but they 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 also kind of look like they they think they may not get out of it right you know as a fact what does he say he says uh you came here knowing it was a setup he's all well a lot of bad things have happened in this place so i figure if it's gonna end this is probably the way it's gonna place it's gonna right end, you know? right right um, it's like a Western yeah, in that way. Thing. It's kind of like a Western in that way. Absolutely. It's like a Gary Cooper moment. It's <laughs> like, well, we got to take him down. We probably aren't going to live through it, but what are we going to do? Right. I don't know. They, they played it just right. It wasn't like mock heroics. They didn't uh, spike the music like some, you know, no. Michael mm-hmm. Bay movie or something. We love Michael Bay on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> and also, he, he, he kind of said, I don't want this to look like a film noir. He says, it's a color movie. So we can do what we got to do, but you don't light this thing like it's a film noir. Just light it, you know, like it is, you know. Right. I thought that was interesting because you could have played it the other way. You could have made it all shadows and it wouldn't have, it would have been too much, you know. There was, uh, but there's so, a lot of, there's a lot of nod to the noir. You know, the whole thing with Veronica Lake and that whole subplot oh, is pretty God, you know, Yeah, Jesus, yeah. And they even show her, and then they, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. You want to talk about great moments. When she says, uh, you impress me, you're the first guy who hasn't uh, said I look like Veronica Lake in the first minute. And he says, y- you look better than Veronica Lake. And her eyes just sort of <laughs> do this, like, crazy thing. Like, what? <laughs> right. And he was totally sincere. And it just comes out of nowhere. Right. You know, he's like, what? Have you ever have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? That's what he says to her. <laughs> you, want, well, you want the moon, Mary? How? Oh. Well, and speak and speaking of which, how about the scene in the Formosa where he says you're still just a you know you're still just a whore dressed up like Lana Turner? And he's all that is Lana Turner. <laughs> <laughs> that was I great. Think that was a lot of a lot of people's favorite scene. You know? She did that look like Lana Turner. She did look like Lana Turner. <laughs> That's that so woman. Great. What? Uh, what do you think? Uh, who would? Who would you put? If this had been me, so I would have. Uh, this would have been Jimmy Stewart. Would have been uh, Edmund Exley back in the day. Yeah, right. And, uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you're right. Now, 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 you listen here, now, yeah, bud. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. His, now, you know, you know who'd play Bud? Uh, bud would have been like Robert Mitchum. Right. You know? Right. Big. Because think like out of the past, everyone thinks he's just this big lug. You know. Right. But, uh, Right. Yeah. Or maybe like a young Burt Lancaster. Like, sure. Like the killer's Absolutely. Burt Lancaster. Like all the way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so who would you get for uh, Jack Vincent? Oh, that would have to be like Cary Grant. <laughs> like the smooth. Yeah. Uh, oh, hello. Yes. Uh, yeah. You're on Badge of Honor. Let me help you. You know, like that's kind of yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, right. then, and then you would have to have for the captain, it would have to be a great... Uh, you'd probably have to get a great character actor who could play a good McLean. Huh? No, <laughs> I would. McClane. I would have gone. I would have gone more sophisticated. I would have gone either Claude Rains or uh, I would have gone for the captain for the captain. Yeah, Claude yeah, Rains. you're right. Claude Rains. That would be uh, the perfect voice for that guy. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Co- completely corrupt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Okay, let's rank this. I love this movie. I'm gonna. You know what? Go ahead, John. 
Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, I, and for the 90s, I can't think of any movie I like better that came out of the 90s. So, uh, yeah, this is one of my all-time top faves. So um, I give it a 10. Jake? 9.5. What keeps it from being a 10, sir? I don't know. We round up. Why then you might as well make we, it a ten. We round up on the show, so <laughs> ten it that's is. Just that's just my gut. My gut says nine. Okay, all right. Uh, this is a ten for me as well, John. Um, yeah. uh, this should have beaten Titanic. This was the best picture of the year. Uh, Titanic got it because everybody went to the movie theater a million times and cried. But you know, come on. Any come other on. year, Mario, think about it. Any other year, this would have been the best picture. Right. I mean, it's a it's a classic. It's an instant classic. That's the thing. First time I saw this, I walked out of the theater. I thought this already feels like a classic. You know, mm-hmm. you, you always say, "Wait ten years, see how it plays." Well, you know, it just felt like it was always going to play well. You know, right, right, uh, timeless. Uh, everything, everything is good here. The acting, the cinematography, the the music, uh, everything. Uh, the writing, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It puts you in a, in a specific place at a sp- specific time. Yeah. Great, yeah. great. I can't, I can't say enough about it. So, yeah, 10 for me. Um, yeah, I, watch it. If you, you haven't seen it, watch you it. Think, uh, you think uh, Justina saw it? Uh, Justina had seen it. A friend of hers recommended it to her, and I was mad that she watched it. But she, I know she loves it. I don't mm. know if she gives it a 10, but I know she likes it. I wonder if that baby is still on her lap. Probably. Probably not. She, by this time, she's just like, whatever. I wonder what the baby gave it. Uh, a poop, a little poop. One poop. One poop. One little poopy. One, one poop. Uh, all right, guys. This is gonna. That's gonna wrap it up for this week. Uh, have a merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas to all of our, our friends and out there you in too. podcast land. You know, you got the. We got our. We got our friends in the in the in the podcast world. Uh, Home video hustle and, uh, and uh, besotted geek and 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 and. and, and Mikey nerdy, bags, nerdy bitches, and yeah, Mikey bags, and 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 Mike Berkey, and and Eric of Aragorn, and 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 of course, and and uh, there's too many to name, but and beat our friend Pat Francis and the Rock Solid podcast, and Kyle Dotson, and everybody out there. I, I wish I had a list of everybody. They're, 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 I mean, I guess I could go on Twitter, but fuck Elon Musk. Um, yeah, man. Merry Christmas, you guys. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you guys. All right. Have a have a safe and blessed holiday. And uh yeah. I have you guys have a nice time with your families. You, right. you too. And you guys out there too, have a Merry Christmas. And we will be back next week. We'll talk about swingers next week. Don't be Sounds a, good. That's a great in, in general or the movie. Yay, how you doing? Hey. Yay. So for Jake, for John, for the absent Justine, the absent Patrick, we say this transition this transition ends now. Fight the power. Merry Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>